0: We are back. The Whiskey Hue. One cube, real whiskey, real talk. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. With three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups, mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. Jim, this is where you come in and start singing for me. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Uh, I'm so excited to have you back with us. And I'm so excited for our guest today. A longtime friend. And let me get into this guy. So what can I say with, about Jim Baroud? He's a East Coast legend. Uh, we've known him for quite some time. I met him several years ago. And I don't know if you remember this, Jim, as judges for a startup showcase at Rutgers University. Do you remember that? Vaguely. This must've been eight, 10 years ago, yeah, something yeah. like that. seven, 10, I don't know. Um, something like that. And then we've run into each other numerous times. I remember running into you at the SAP innovation, uh, lab, in, you know, in Hudson yards. And then I said, Hey, you're Jim from that Rutgers thing. Right. And then we exchanged numbers again, didn't hang out for a while. Now we're hanging out. We're talking more often and just a great connector. You've, you've, I can even say personally, you've put me in touch with some several startups, investment groups, many of them actively engaged with to this day. Um, what, what to know about Jim puts together great events. I just attended one the other day small, small to large. Like he does a little small with investor kind of, what do you call them? Yeah, investor salons, salons right? Yes. Yeah. A little, little highbrow. Uh, so investor salons, you know, it's not just a zoom meetup. All right. And then, uh, and he has a community he's been nurturing for quite some time it's called innovation. Plus you should get on board with that group. He, what does what he posts there, things like what's happening in the tech investment community events, things you should go to his speaking engagements and he does several. He's been global about, uh, and we're going to get into that in a moment and a few, and then he has a podcast, a few things with Jim Baroud. I've been a guest on that podcast with another, uh, lady, we were talking about crypto and metaverse, I think that, that day, right? right. And so check that out. A few things with Jim Baroud, awesome podcast. And he gets into it with a lot of people. So large scale to small to Zoom meetings, he does it all. High profile investors, advisors, had the podcast, check it out. And then you had me doing something with the, the youngest group I've ever worked with. And besides my two monkey boys, uh, that the, something at the high school level, they're teaching them about investing, right? That's through. That's right. What, it was, was a, a,
1: a teen entrepreneurship camp that we uh, hold right. during the summers. And you came on. I think on, we did venture investing yeah, and stuff, right? Gave them good, some good okay. insights about what you do, the startup community, uh, and I think we were talking about crypto as well.
0: Yep. And every time I chat with Jim, it's just uh, I might call him James. I've always been calling him James. He's stored on my cell phone as James, so I might mess it up. I deeply enjoy the conversation. Fill in any blanks that I may have left, Jim. What else are you? You do so many things.
1: Well, I mostly uh, again, in addition to supporting a community of entrepreneurs and innovators, like I've done for the past twenty plus years, um, I do advising. Uh, I advise startups. I advise investors. I advise gro- advise growth companies. And I advise college uh, presidents and, and provosts as well to try to engage the entrepreneurship ecosystem.
0: Sounds like he's a rich guy, All right, You got to get on this guy. <laughs> get, get him in your circle. All right. Um, this is it's, it's awesome. And you have a whiskey of the day you'd like to recommend.
1: I would like to recommend Angel's Endy. That's my go-to. Okay. It's very smooth. Uh, and I, I highly recommend it.
0: Nice, nice. Okay. And how about, like, let's say if Elon Musk is coming over for dinner, as he regularly does, to your place, what are you serving this guy? What are you serving Elon Musk? Uh,
1: probably Woodford Reserve. <laughs> All
0: right. He'll never come back again because he's Elon Musk. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, nice. Uh, nice. And the bottle, the Woodford Reserve bottle is beautiful. It's a, it's a sexy bottle. Uh, excellent. Let's jump into it. So we're going to get into various advantages of remote work. We'll talk about today. He's Jim has interviewed so many leaders. We'll get, see if he sees some common traits among them and entrepreneurial trends. He sees on the East coast. We're both looking at companies regularly. What are we both seeing? What's he seeing? And let's start with very quickly, give you a layup here. He spoke at Davos. You spoke at Davos, right? I did. I did. Um, um, That's huge. Tell us about that. It was was,
1: was a lot of fun. Actually. I was a, I was invited to speak at a psychedelics conference that was uh, at Davos and and my topic was about um, creativity and innovation following the use of psychedelics and mostly psychedelics, medical psychedelics is really uh, extraordinary and transformative and we will see great strides in the coming years in that. We already have great strides, but um, there are also other benefits. Uh, from recreational use, frankly, uh, as long as it's controlled and uh, you know under guidance. Uh, and so the benefits are uh, enhanced creativity. And so we can actually look back to people like Steve Jobs, right? And even Elon yeah. Musk, right? They have admitted to using uh, psychedelics um, to their advantage, and obviously two of the greatest innovators of all time. So I mentioned that, so I talked about that a little bit. So that's sort of something that I'm really interested in, um, and I think the promise is there. And we'll see if, if things progress and uh, if we see the, the benefits of that, um, of that reality.
0: So many questions there, Jim. You set yourself up for this one. So how did, how did you become an expert? Let's just, give me one line. Well,
1: I am not an expert. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I, I had never really did drugs my whole life just recently I've only had one uh, ayahuasca <laughs> experience uh, and so I'm still learning, uh, but I've interviewed okay. folks who are experts in the field and listened okay. to a lot of people, write a lot of things about it and uh, I'm just and hosted an investor salon on this topic actually in Princeton uh, okay. earlier this year okay. so so that's why i you know I feel that there's there's so much potential and okay. And so that's why um,
0: I'm excited about it. Yeah, so we will definitely, I will definitely have you on the other pod when we do things around the ESG and then the mental health uh, space. I think that'll be exciting to have you on. I didn't know that you were into that space. So that's what it was about. Davos is a big deal. Look it up. Uh, we have billions and trillions of listeners around the world. Uh, so, you know, you've just gotten the word out to a lot of folks. Let's jump into our sweet spot, both of us, right? Um, we're both heavily involved in the startup advisory venture space remote work is a thing that is happening right and it has kind of changed uh, you know some of us have maybe been doing some sort of remote work on a partial basis maybe one to two days a week prior to the pandemic then everyone went to it for a short time or at least many uh, beyond the non-essential you know the non-essentials folks did uh, we're working from home and then we are in a hybrid we're trying to do figure this whole thing out how do we get back into place I'm gonna we're going to talk about a few different angles here employer employee entrepreneur, Uh, and you know, the investor and we're going to start there with those things. But let's, let me set this whole thing up with a quote from a, I'm sure you appreciate this man, Malcolm Gladwell. I just happened to come across this quote that he said about this. He's written phenomenal books. Go check them out. You probably already know about them. He recently said, it is hard to feel necessary when you're physically disconnected. Being together. What he means by that is being together in a work environment is in everyone's best interest to feel part of something. And this is a man who's an author primarily, runs Pushkin Industries, which is podcast network, which is doing phenomenally well. He probably works remotely most of the time, right? And unless he's on stage, which he has numerous times. So this is a gentleman whose primary work of mode of work is remote, but he's endorsing going back into the office, maybe for everyone else. He doesn't get right? Start there. And then let's, let's jump it, and then I'll share some things with you. We, I'll tee you up for a little bit. Take that for a minute.
1: Yeah, so clearly employers are in a dilemma, right? Especially with the labor shortages and an entitled labor class, especially the the most talented, really can dictate how often they go to the office. And that could be zero days a week or one or two or three. It's almost definitely not going to be five. So that's the dilemma, right? And these days you want to keep the best talent and you want to balance you want them in the office right for collaboration for creativity for um those relationships particularly for younger people frankly i think it's really important for older people like us we have our <laughs> networks we can get by with not being in person as much although we i know you do i know i like to be in person because yeah. there's so much serendipity uh and there's so much delight in interaction Uh, even when it's a grind, right? Now, the commute stinks typically, but um, at the office and during those water cooler uh, breaks, those coffee breaks after work, building those friendships, that's really important because we're social beings. Um, But again, uh, everyone's different and they have their own preferences. Uh, But I, I still really think that young people, it's really important for young people to be in the office uh, more than older people, just, just to build those relationships, to get uh-huh. ahead, to get promoted, to, right. you know, get the, the one-on-ones with, with their bosses and the bosses of their bosses. You know, that's, that's really important um, to do for networking purposes. So we can talk about the other, uh, you know, aspects of this, but that's how I look at it, you know, from the employer point of view, there's a dilemma. Right. There's gotta be balance and flexibility.
0: So let's tee this up for a minute. So I'm going to give you. I did an extremely small sample size of 35 individuals in my venture investing class at Fordham. This in spring. I said they're all young, probably mid 20s to late 20s, early 30s, maybe some of them. So in that younger demo, I asked them point blank, and then I didn't know what the answer would be because they are majority of them launching the second or third stint of their career into this kind of pandemic and coming out of it. So they said, "Where would you?" I asked them, "Where would you like to be?" An in, in person, out of office remote from home or hybrid majority said in office we need that personal interaction just what you said and and i think you know you some of your best friends come from your work environment especially when you're younger you may meet a future significant other potentially and you know and, and then these kind of things happen. And then the propinquity to your like, superiors, maybe they can then, you know, see what you're doing on a, on a day-to-day monthly basis and then say, okay, this person's ready for, to be promoted or these kind of things. Let's, let me let me tee it up with one other thing, though. I always like, I love talking about money. You know this about me. Everyone who listens, our trillions of listeners globally, they know I talk about money all the time. So follow it. Um, if you do follow it, you'll find where the bets are being placed. Can you take a wild guess? And then I'll jump into the actual stat. Where do you think the bets are being placed as to what's going to be happening? And then let's say in the next two, three, four, five years.
1: Do you mean as far as uh, investment activity or?
0: Yeah. For business, for office buildings. Where do you think There, what do you think is happening?
1: You mean in the, in the office, in the, you mean in real estate and real estate or, or an yeah. office space? Yeah. What, what do you mean? As far as you mean money going um, into prop tech? Is that what you're talking about?
0: Yeah. you want me to just do it? You want me to just get into it? <laughs> Let me I mean, tell you what I want to say because I'm, I'm being unclear to my, my ask.
1: I think the money is going into community, and that means transforming okay. office parks into communities, right? Because that's the only way you're really going to get people, workers, mm. uh, to be engaged uh, at the office. So they're going to have to be extraordinary spaces. They're yeah. going to have to offer all the amenities and potentially, if possible, uh, it would be good to house uh, people there. Now, this this movement started before the pandemic. There were these community yeah. we work right, we live was one of those. Yep. Uh, that's now coming back, right? But there's coming a whole bunch flowing. of other players are getting into this. You know, there's Bell right. Works here in New Jersey, which is has a community, and yep. there's and there's other samples or examples of that. And it might, and then frankly, it's probably one of the best renovations of these big office complexes, which are. Mostly dying in a lot of parts of the country and the malls, the malls, which are also many of which are dying. uh, It's a nice formula for them to sort of
0: uh, re-envision community. It could be exciting. It could be exciting. So the, so I'll, and you've got it, you've got ding, 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 ding. You got most of it, correct. Majority of it. Now the major U S and Canadian pension funds, I'm I'm going with that. I should, so I I should have been more clear, um, are placing their bets that there will be less commercial office space in the future. And what do I mean by that? Right now, what they currently own in-house, look at the black rocks of the world. They're offloading current ownership in office buildings and investing less in the future in future commercial real estate buildings. Right now. And so this clip may jump from like like 5%, 25% down to like 20, 18% of their holdings. That's significant, right? Because um, that trickles down into all the ecosystems that you were talking about. Because, hey, we're at, we're at work during the day. We're going to get lunch potentially. We might get breakfast a few days a week, but definitely probably lunch, maybe after work, after dinner drinks. So these are the kind of things that are happening. So who's the buyer on the other side? Where the pension, US, U.S. and Canadian pension funds are investing are warehouses, and clinical biotech labs, you know, and, you know, all of that, that space. Cause Hey, we're releasing something. We got monkeypox right now. We might have donkey pox next week. I don't know what we've got. So we have, there's going to be a bunch of different things. So I think that's going to be a huge play. So you can just kind of follow that money and then see where you want to play in the equity markets, not investment advice, follow your, ask your advisor. But these are the kind of things, but I, I do agree with you. The communities, that's, that's an amazing experience, right? So, and that can make you feel just a part of something and then you don't need to only get that from work you can get that and you can you know now you can get it in a work home living environment and if it could be somewhat interchangeable because maybe you want to leave a job after a while a couple of years you don't leave your home as frequently as you leave a job so maybe there's somewhere else you can go work in the community AB or they're interchangeable somewhat hey i can set up my password and my identity once in one community and like what Adam Newman's trying to do and that's very dorm like but for people with money i think It's for adults right or is it for the it's skewing younger actually right for probably people with no kids or maybe one kid infant probably. or something what he's doing and people people ask me how does Adam Newman get investment so the, i think what was it what's the stat i have it written here somewhere it's like 13 14 billion um a venture cap money was put into play uh, already this year, and he raised about $420 million of it in two different endeavors, the flow and the flow carbon, so $350 million, So that's like three-ish percent, three, three and a half percent of the entirety went to one man and his vision, and we saw what happened before. He's not the greatest operator, <laughs> right? Right? Uh, he's a visionary, but then people ask me, okay, Athul, uh, how does the, this guy get funded after... Causing such a debacle previously. Look, I'm going to tell you point blank. If I had the money that Andreessen Horowitz, I don't know if I would have put $350, 350 million behind him the way they did. Uh, but I could tell you why they did it in a moment. But he's a charming salesman. And you need someone who's just, he'll run through a wall explaining her or him his vision of a company and, or a service they're offering and why it's going to change the world. He's got that. And everything you see, any kind of media, there's an Andrew Ross Sorkin interview with him. He just sounds like he's okay. He takes, he takes accountability for what happened with the work, but he's not placing, he's not pointing fingers. He's a stand-up guy in that regard. I'm going to get some feedback on that one. Uh, but, you know, he's not skirting around it, responsibility, but he's, he's taking, pers- you know, but the, he's, he said, I played legally within the bounds, which he did, <laughs> right? Take that for a minute.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's like a messiah figure. I mean, he really, I mean, and a lot of <laughs> so people good. will say, you know, it's all about the storytelling, all about the narrative, Right, and if if you have that down, right, um, you can come back from failure. You know, Um, yeah. But you know, an an interesting sort of sidebar on that is: Would Elizabeth Holmes have the potential for Mm. the same comeback? Right, and yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think she would. Now, maybe the circumstances aren't exactly the same, right? But it's hard to see a woman still have that capability. Uh-huh. um in this day and age so hopefully sad. things will change but
0: I do think that she came out with some brilliant idea people would invest I think I do think but maybe not at the same clip no. all right I agree with you there yeah uh, just because she she is a visionary and you know in VC okay you can always walk away from it saying hey it didn't work out it's one of the nine of ten that are expected to fail in the VC model they cooked books they did some they they were Cooking up, uh, you know, stories, and let's say let's call it they're lying about how the product worked actually. So that's what happened to them, and they're selling investors on that. Uh, so that that's what happened there with Adam Newman. So why would Andreessen Horowitz put in three hundred fifty million? Let's just answer that very quickly. Look, if you're the first money in, you're going to make a killing on when the secondary investors come in, and that's what. And they okay, they may have missed that on at that far a clip and. Somewhat Ubers. I think they got in a bunch of these, you know, the big things that came out of the 2008-2009 era that are crushing it now. Well, crushed it up until retail. Uh, Air may be still doing well in retail, uh, but that's why you do it. You want to be, if you're that, and this guy is so good at selling his story, and he's not so divisive a figure. You know, if you, I guess, I haven't seen the We Crash special yet. I've heard it's phenomenal, and that's next on our agenda. My wife and I want to see it, but I heard he comes off as a very humble, you know, visionary exotic uh you know ecstatic you know erratic figure but he's not like someone you walk away saying oh i, I hate this guy i would i would invest in this guy again right. that's what i hear have you seen it
1: yeah i, I think so and and i think uh, Andreessen has so much money um that they need to put it somewhere <laughs> and you know instead of 10 bets of you know 30 million or 40 million they do yeah. one big one right so it's an efficiency Fair. uh sort of uh, approach as well So, um, and clearly, you know, they're, they're the best, some of the best in the business and with stricter controls, right. And guidance, uh, you know, a failed entrepreneur, um, is one of the best entrepreneurs. So clearly (laughs) there's something there, there, and it'll be interesting to see, um, how things progress.
0: It'll, it'll be pretty exciting. So like remote work. So you, we were talking about employees, employers, how the pendulum may switch. So a recession could pull this back in the employer's favor. So what's different from this year versus last year? Now, Apple kind of said, hey, we want people come. They said this last year. We want you coming back three days a week in 2021. And they said in the summer, by September, it didn't happen. We had another outbreak and then things got, you know, they had a lot of pushback. Now it's 2022. The economy is incredibly different tech freezing, tech hires, there are tech layoffs, there's, there's freezing and hiring, startups have a freezing and hiring, they have to be more lean. So, but last year, if they said come back to office, you could say, gotta go Apple, and you go work somewhere else, right? That opportunity is not there, this year. So, I've, I said this in my class in, in March. So if the recession, if a recession happens, cause in March is when everything started kind of hitting the fan in the, in the stock markets, let's say. And then it, that was kind of a leading indicator. And then everything swinging. I said, okay, this is going to now go back in the employer's favor. It's been heavily in the employee's favor. I'm not coming back. Remote work. Some people had multiple jobs and they were crushing it, right? Uh, two, three, two, you know, deep six-figured position roles and they were just storing it in the bank, hopefully. And now it's changed. Right. So those salaries aren't so out there, so available, uh, so not so available, but they are now if it swings back, recession happens. A lot of people are looking for work. People are going to take what they can get, uh, you know, and so, the, and if, you know, so that's what's going to happen. So the employers now will be able to dictate terms a bit more. But then this may there may. I think we'll have some volatility here. Once it gets healthy again, then employers, you know, th- these might be some sweetened perks, like you said, community offerings. Right. Uh, but th- they might sweeten the perks somehow when things are healthy again and robust in the economy, you know, okay, we want to poach the best engineering or tech talent from this company. What perk do you want to give them? Okay, the work from remote thing will be an option and other things. I mean, Goldman Sachs is cutting out coffee and they're mandating to come back to the office. That's weird. That's a weird one for me. (laughs) But, you know, it's a cost-cutting That is,
1: And I still think it's, the market is still tight. I mean, it's not as tight as it was, right? Yeah. But for the best talent, they're going to have options always, right? We still... Um, you know, have that that reality. So unless it falls off a cliff, there's still such a shortage. I mean, you know, yeah. there's especially in tech, as you know, it's like a million jobs, right. million openings, right. right? And we don't right. realize, we don't factor in the uh, the reality that millions of jobs were um, uh, taken away because of the of COVID, right? People who got who died and who have long COVID. It's between two and four million, the, according to some estimates. Those people may Is not come right? back in wow. and it may, or may take a while. So right. we are dealing with um, a shortage, a real shortage. And, you know, the, the economy um, being weak will help a little bit, but may not help enough.
0: You know, and like with Apple pushing for people to come back into the office, this is kind of a lazy man, lazy woman's uh, way of getting, doing layoffs without having to do layoffs. Cause I'm assuming five, six percent of their workforce may refuse to come back in. And, you know, hopefully you don't lose great talent in there, right? In that, in that mix, cause they may go elsewhere. But, you know, it might be one way of doing it. Five percent of 150K. Yes, seventy K, seventy thousand employees that maybe, you know, there's a lot of fat in a lot of tech yeah. companies, right? And they that's why they started doing that. They hired like crazy and i That's true. go. That's true. Uh, so this is a soft approach versus the hard layoff approach, which then they may have to do once they're everyone's back in, they see, okay, what's well, still things still aren't kind of roaring yet. Yeah. Uh, and it might be another I mean, I think this okay. Take that for a minute. What do you what do you think about that and then jump wherever you like. About uh, Apple's flexibility or Apple's flexibility because I, I don't know what Google I have a buddy at Google. I should have asked him before we got on what they're what they're mandating, but it was they were, he was still at home. Last time I chatted with him like a month ago. Yeah, I
1: think they're they're varying each company's a little different, but everyone's trying to get the, the people back into the office. Now here's the the reality though. If there is another surge, right, it may delay yeah, things again yeah. and they're gonna yeah. have to be super flexible, right? It's simple as that. So right. things still need to play out, right? We have a we have a hopefully the worst is behind us. And that's certainly you know the employers a possibility. Will
0: say what? You know what the employers might say though? Hey, you're out. You're out at the movie theaters. You're out eating yeah. dinner every three nights a week. You can't be back in the yeah. office where you're getting the money to do all those yeah. things. That's what they're gonna say. So you're putting yourself in risky positions. So that the hey, the health concern is no longer valid in their opinion, right? So it, I mean, it does knock people. Off. I've seen people left and right around me recently get knocked out. And you know, you're on your date. You're on your in the bed for a couple of days, and you're back on your feet. But there's it's happening still, yeah. right? It's just not as lethal, uh, you know. Luckily, with all the things happening around us medically, um, they're improving our our uh, bouncing back rate. I'm look, looking for a term now. One thing that could happen in the remote space, overseas talent. If people f- refuse to come back in, you can hire someone for a fraction of the cost that is on par. The talent is equitable. And it's not to say that their standard of living is less wherever yep. they live. It's just their cost of living. It's not subsidized by crappy products that we they're importing from other places, right? Or so so they their cost of living is much less, and so they can get away with it. And you can you know I remember in 2010 I was at a, my cousin's wedding in India, and I met a bunch of folks who were like in banking, and they were saying. We do a lot of the due diligence or any of the, a lot of the work all the way up to in investment banking, all the way up to the MD having to sign off. Then we hand it back to the American counterpart and that's the work they do. She or he does. They were doing that in 2010, all right? This is happening all over Europe, Asia, this is happening. So people, that can be a threat. We've gone truly global. Uh, but then some people prefer to work with folks from here. I will say one thing. I don't, you've had experience working with people from globally. Like have you hired people? I mean,
1: yeah, I've leveraged some some work overseas. Mm -hmm.
0: And one cool thing is, hey, you go to you give a task, but you go to bed, and by the time you wake up, it's done, right? So you have twenty four seven. Now, one thing, there's a language things. Even if they speak the same language, um, cultural norms are slightly different potentially. So you can get, you know, you have to kind of sort those things out. And this is true across many countries. And um, there's okay. how, How can you say? There is something about being in person with someone physically. Like I had someone that was, I, I'll say a few people so you can't pinpoint exactly who I'm talking about. I had a, several people that worked for me remotely. In four years, I never saw them. We had meetings like this. And pre-pandemic, it was via phone call and because their task was such that, hey – That's all you need to do for me. It was very a menial task, and and they crushed it. He or she, I'm not gonna tell you who. So, in case they're listening, uh, crushed it in that role. Now, what I ever, what I did see three, four years in, what I would try to push them into a reach role. It was very difficult. I wanted them to reach beyond that role, so they could maybe then expand that what they're doing and offering to the company and expand their own skill set. It was very difficult. I saw when we were working in that environment, and so that's. Uh, What what are your takes on that? Being in person versus that? You you echo that? And what are your experiences? Yeah, I mean,
1: there's something to being in person. But, you know, I have to say the um, collaboration, um, you know, approach and and sort of tools are getting better and better. And then we have, you know, metaverse possibilities. It'll get even better. So there are some bright spots and best practices that companies can apply that mitigate the downside of not being in person. Right. Um, so they, they are there. I mean there's some companies. Here's the thing. There's some companies mm-hmm. that are all virtual. So how are they succeeding? Yeah. when others yeah. are not? You know, one of the, the, the uh, concerns or, or sort of the, um, the reality is that they need to pay for the rent or they need, and they want to use yeah. that space, right? And yeah. on a macro level, they want cities to be vibrant, right? So they want uh, people to come back. So they're supporting the real estate, commercial real estate market to some degree, to some degree, especially right. the big banks. Right. You see this. They're invested in these commercial markets or their investments. Are they on the buildings? Are they? So Fair. there's a there's an additional reason for them uh, to bring people back. And on an even higher macro level, I. Um, the concern is for all the retail around these office complexes, right? Yes. And you see it in the city. There's a lot of vacancies, and those restaurants are on thin margins. They cannot survive without a corporate, um, you know, crowd. And so that is the the sad part, and that's the sad reality of, of where we are, right? Those um, those cities or those towns where those big office buildings are empty or empty three days a week. Yeah. They're not going to survive. And that is truly frightening and sad.
0: You brought up two clearly, uh, clear, phenomenal points there, right there. So imagine going through this pandemic 10, 15 years, 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago, without the likes of Zoom, you know, Microsoft Teams, Google products were there, but not as robust as they are last now. So big tech allowed us to kind of plow through this and our our productivity only dropped really for up until that first summer and then we're like okay this is our reality now we have to figure this out right so then we went went now and our productivity has been studies have shown maintained or exceeded if you're doing in this kind of environment so If you had, we had zoom, we had cloud-based collaborative workspaces, very robust. And, you know, and then even our entertainment, Netflix is housed on AWS, right? All these things worked in our favor. So you made a really key point there. Now let's get back to the environments around the retail. That's an amazing point that you mentioned these restaurants. So they were counting on lunch and maybe sometimes breakfast and maybe after work uh, hours. Now they have to try to cater, maybe be open longer hours, or less hours, but then that's going to cost them operationally, A, to be open longer, serving maybe fewer to get the same similar volume. And then wages are much higher now than they were two, three years ago. This is putting retail in a, in a very tight spot. It's very difficult.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's really tragic. I mean, I have a friend who works for a large corporate uh, in the city, and they wanted to do a $10,000 lunch, and they couldn't find a restaurant. The restaurant they called wanted to take them, but they couldn't find the labor. So it's not only the, oh my God. the you know, the uh, capacity issue, but um, it's the labor issue, right? Um,
0: what are you hearing that is? Why are you hearing? Because, okay, stimmy checks are gone, all right? We're not, we're not handing those out right now. Are they living on savings or what are they doing? What's happening?
1: I think it's a combination of things, right? A lot of people are burnt out. Um, a lot of people are dealing with okay. uh, caretaking um, and sure. they're rethinking um, their life right and what's worth it and what's not so if they're not getting paid enough um they're just going to withdraw right and so, it's uh it's just it's an amazing and tragic turn of events where we have a labor shortage that is not going so away I agree
0: I agree with you to an extent right but that would mean that they've cut back on spending but credit has gone up if you look at credit card balances right. they've gone up again that means they're still spending so, but the money has to come in from somewhere. You have to get the debits and credits uh, to, to match at some point, Absolutely. right? So that's what I'm curious. I thought the credits would have jumped, dropped down, right? But we still are, inflation is still at 8.3. It just came out yesterday, yeah. right? It was 8.3? Or 8.1, something like that. We were hoping for 8.1, we got 8.3, I think that's what it was. And so it's, it's still high, but this is, you know, a, a reactionary. It's from July, mid-July to mid-August, so we're in September now. So let's see, gas prices have come down, so hopefully, you know, that means demand has probably kind of fallen off a bit, but we are heading into this winter, not a crypto winter, but, a, you know, an energy winter per se, because Russia supplies a lot of Europe with, you know, that this is a totally different tangent, we don't need to do this, but I'm just, that's things are yeah. happening uh so around the world that will affect us as well right so just be safe out there <laughs>
1: yeah and absolutely so i think people will eventually have to get back to work those people that are on the sidelines right or using saved right. money or or pandemic uh you know uh, relief money they they'll need to come back um yeah. but you know everyone's a little bit more entitled uh, these days and a bit more cautious, right? So you're going to have to have a better work environment. And you're going to have to take care of them, and you're going to have to pay them much better. It's as simple yeah. as that.
0: And then it's it's difficult because the, if you look at I I read uh, some case study on mom and pop shops. Let's say smaller things. We see a lot of those here in our backyard in New York City. May, may urban centers. They have a lot of these things. You don't want like the Walmart coming and pushing these types of uh, corporations, these small businesses out. So they're maintaining to a certain extent. But then they, with increased labor, uh, these increased wages, uh, it's very difficult for them to keep the lights on with all of this. So with the margins, like you said, razor thin. um, You know these bodegos, they're not crushing it, right? They don't have the high margins of LVMH products, right? So it's it's very difficult for them. So it's we want higher higher wages, but then that leads to inflation because people can afford more technically, and then they, you know, they drive up prices. I'm seeing this in the small businesses, and I'm, sh- I'm sure you're seeing this as well. And let's say on the entrepreneurial side, hey, if you can get away with working remotely and it's cost in cost conscious uh, environment, and it, let's let's do it as long as the productivity doesn't fall off. If you're building spaceships, you need to be together. You know, if you're, I think fashion lines need to be together. I'm um, seeing that you need that collaborative environment. If you can, at some extent, kind of be remote, a lot of them are going that way. Let's let's tie two things together that are right in our lane energy savings and then smart cities you want to dabble with that for a little bit just thinking about that because we kind of went down that road you mentioned a great point earlier these community hubs potentially work play live environments together let's take an extension of that so energy i don't know what the numbers say like if you know if we're all working remotely with our ac and heat at home versus centralized in an office building and they're blasting it at, at some temperature for many of us i don't know what the numbers are have you seen anything on that
1: I haven't, but we have saved a lot of energy in, commute, in commuting costs, right? And commute, um, yeah. And yeah. in those large buildings, you know, that are vacant, there has been savings there. On the other hand, right. we have a heat wave right now across this world, across yeah. this country, and um, it's been a lot of uh, expensive energy expended, you know, yeah. uh, to
0: to try to keep cool. And. In- I'm in These smart cities, have you been watching these at all? So this is, you know, like Mark Laurie right now is getting credit for talking about it quite a bit. And he's, you know, he was, he was at Quidzy, then Jet.com. Uh, so he's trusted on many, every level, right? So he's a billionaire, multibillionaire, so he wants to do some things. He wants to build a smart city here. In the venture community, they've been talking about this for a decade, 15 years, a decade and a half, right? He's coming on board now. He has the capital to push it i think he wants to do it in nevada or utah or somewhere like that because if you, if you fly anywhere in pockets of the u.s there are vast just land grabs out there for cheap that you could build and build from the scratch basically and you know they're looking to do that they're doing something in saudi arabia where there's like that what is it like a 20 mile long mile long size 75 size mile size long. okay in, in, in 75 miles long width wise and you just and you can travel end to end in 20 minutes that's what you're talking something about? That I the it's you're talking called the I think it's sort uh, of Yep, that's it. And it's just literally, I don't know how many floors high it is, but it's 75 miles across and it's EVs, you know, um, everything, electric vehicles, drone delivery on everything, solar panels to power everything. That's what Mark Laurie's trying to do here. Um, Egypt has something. South Korea has, they're trying to build Oceanix. It's like a extension of yeah. sorts on, on, on one of the borders so they can build like, tether some new land, to the ocean floors and then build upon them and, and then, you know, to absorb any kind of water outbursts. So they're trying to do that in Lower Manhattan here as well. They're thinking about it. But then you have everything, electric vehicles, solar panel-powered everything, water that is sustaining, you know, self-sustaining on there, purified there, reused, and let's keep going. And they want to build these kind of communities. Um, India has something like that where they're trying to do that as well. So it's just, it's, it'll be interesting. I think there's like 20 of these in play right now, maybe three, yeah. four, or five maybe succeed, but this could be the future. Right? How you do it. it, it uh,
1: what are your thoughts? I'm sort of ambivalent about it. Uh, they're just so ambitious. Um, and, right. you know, that money could be spent sort of improving current cities too, you know, or solving <laughs> yeah, sure. for poverty, right? So I am um, I know Mark Lurie and I'm excited for him and he is a visionary. So if anyone can do it, you know, it will be him or probably Saudi Arabia, which has more money than God, right? So- but yeah. they've also tried cities in the past. So it's it's still, you know, if you build it, will they come, right? And manufacturing cities, you have to make it so compelling, right? Um, right. And so extraordinary to make it worthwhile. And it's going to take a while,
0: right? But as needed, if you could get that right, that could be our model. For We're, we're saying, okay, the urban cities as they exist now are crumbling, and they kind of are, right? We need to build into infrastructure. To, it's a continuous continuous battle to kind of rebuild, renovate, whatever it is, it'd be awesome to have something like that. Somewhat self-sustaining, you'd still have to rebuild. Uh, You know, I mean, things will deteriorate over time, but that'd be amazing. If they could get that right, that would solve so many problems. Then these other things we're talking about wouldn't be an issue, right? Uh, But yeah, let's see. I I agree with you. It's going to take quite a bit of time. And you're going to have to start small. And some of the
1: things that come out of those um, endeavors will, those innovations will help, you know, incumbent in older yeah. cities too. So there are, there's that benefit, regardless of if they ever make it. Is that sort of yeah. that thinking outside the box will influence other cities and other developments going forward?
0: All right, um, I love it. Anything else you want to add on that uh, little segment there?
1: No, I, I think the, the okay. future is bright. And, and speaking of of climate uh, changes and, and climate, you know issues, challenges, uh, warming, um, climate tech, the innovations we're going to need from climate uh, entrepreneurs um, cannot be overstated, right? We really need those innovations and that technology uh, that are are game-changing, right, to really help us in the horrible dilemma that our planet is on right now.
0: Uh, Look, my family, we just went to Iceland for a week, and it was beautiful, but there's a guy, a couple guys, they all look like Thor, they got the muscles, they got the cool hair, and they're like, look, global warming is a thing. For people who are denying it, I'm not trying to p- pick a side here, but global, they're like, look at this glacier. You know, Greenland is covered in, in glaciers. Iceland used to be, I think, 20 25%, whatever it was, it's now less than 10%. Right, and he says daily we see slivers of our glacier just falling off. We went close to one. We couldn't get too close because they said it falls off so regularly. We don't want to come and hit you in the head. So we got as close as we could, and then you know, and then you you know, you'll see seals just hanging out. They the, they have the best life because there's no predators for them. They just hang out and eat fish. <laughs> best life, but they. It's amazing. They said this is happening, and it's you know. And then I saw the volcano too. So I, saw, I got to see an erupting volcano wow. and glaciers within an 18-hour span. It was kind of a
1: wow. Send so me awesome, pictures, awesome
0: I'll definitely will, and then so now now you're seeing the people who are kind of denying it U.S. based, let's say, and I'm picking a side here. I'm just kind of stating facts. They're now having to deal with it in their states. Some of the kind of red states are now saying, "Oh, this is an issue that we have to deal with because my constituents need me to deal with this." So they're having to address the global warming issues locally in their in their you know in their space. So it's going to be a bipartisan issue, whereas one before it was just on one side. I'm not picking sides. They both have their issues, <laughs> Republicans right, and Democrats. Right. But this is one particular area that we need to deal with at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Um, great. This has been awesome, Jim. Uh, let's. Anything you want to share about the whiskey the first time you tried it, whatever, you have a good story about it, or you want to just kind of leave it there? You just like to drink it. I just it. like to drink it. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to share with your community, with our community? Well,
1: no, it's been wonderful uh, talking to you, Atul, and I uh, look forward to um, keeping in touch and, and coming back one day.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I want you with Clyde and Anthony, we just, our schedules, listeners know, has been incredibly sporadic. One of us had a baby and one of us has been traveling a lot. I don't know what the other guy does. Not in that order, but we're trying to figure it out. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, So yeah, we do it. You want to leave, you know what? I'm going to ask you one last thing and I'm going to maybe, I should have asked you this here. You've interviewed so many wonderful people. Give us the two common traits of these really successful entrepreneurs that you've seen that rise to the top.
1: You know, I've been lucky with some of the, uh, most of the people I've um, interviewed, they're just thoughtful leaders, right? And that means so much, right? Um, Because, you know, they're just good guys and gals, and that means something. And that's what true leaders are. You know, they're just thoughtful, generous um, humans. So that comes through Mm. in, I think, most of my um, interviews, uh, that's yeah. the one thing that I, I, I'd like to, to point to. Of course, the other one is always hard work, right? And always sort of the journey, right? People are persistent and are resilient, and they come back yeah. from you know failure um, or, or, or challenges. And that's that's always uh, a common thread through all entrepreneurs and and leaders.
0: I love it. That's awesome. And then you hey, name drop. Give us one or two. You've you've interviewed some phenomenal folks. Give us give us a couple names.
1: You know, I did want, I've done the the CEO and co-founder of Boxed, right? Uh Chay oh, wow. Nice. Uh, he's great. Nuts.com is another one. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, those are two folks in retail. Um, there's a guy from um, who is a biotech entrepreneur who's also on the board of Moderna. Uh, he was amazing. You know, they're they're all they're all special awesome. in their own way. I really have to say that, and I'm just lucky to have uh, have had uh, the opportunity to know them and to to interview them.
0: I love it. All right, this has been Jim Baroud. Uh, check out his Innovation Plus community and his podcast, "A Few Things with Jim Baroud." Peace.